0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
1: official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, of Peach Troops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We are recording on a Sunday night after game two. We've got a one, one split and, you know, coming into the finals here, you're like, I, I really want to just see a snippet and get a preview and all right, you got your feet wet. Glenn, what do you think?
0: I think it's been fun so far. I, you know, I feel like Golden state had control of game one in the third quarter and, I don't want to be dismissive of good work Boston did, but a lot of their come from behind winning game one was fourth quarter shot making. That was way above any team's baseline. So a lot of shots went in um, and then Golden State kind of had their way in the second half of this game. So I still feel like Golden State can control this series. Um, not like totally, but I feel like they do their job defense and, um, play with attention and focus, play high enough on defense that they kind of they still have an opportunity kind of to control the series more than Boston does, in, in my view. But uh, I think Boston deserves a ton of credit game one for weathering you know, the uh, adversity parts of the game when they really could have let like, go of the rope. But somebody could just like to say i in there, stayed with it. Uh, you know, when I think about it, it doesn't surprise me that a team that Al Horford plays on can stick with it and stay steady. He's, he's such a he brings that kind of influence to the teams that he's on. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I'm I'm team more basketball. So I, I love every game to go <laughs> every series to go seven games to give us more basketball. Um, but it's been I mean, you and I kind of previewed this and we're, we were anxious to see what the coaching staff would do, how they would match up, what they would run you know all that sort of stuff and and i think it's been just really really interesting to kind of to kind of watch those aspects team too also I should say also after you <laughs> i was
1: what maybe i should just put it this way what does boston have to do to keep from turning the ball over cuz it it feels like if they if they let golden state get out and transition they're cooked
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what well, i mean it's, what, where are these turnovers coming from i guess i mean they i know they, they've had problems
0: with it but like specifically what are yeah. they where are they missing well well i i think they're missing more ball handling you know and I, this is you know we talked we talked a little bit in previous series about how peyton pritchard is a guy that helps you so much from a ball handling standpoint right right but then on defense he presents challenges that are hard to work through you know, And so I feel like um, Udoka is kind of in a, in a constant state of like, uh, are we going to take care of the basketball enough without Pritchard on the court that, we, that I don't have to kind of um, put him out there and suffer whatever consequences might be on defense? Jalen is uh, you know, an average ball handler at best in my mind for a wing. Um, Marcus Smart is a good ball handler, good creator, but this is the finals. <laughs> this is kind of a different um, setting and – and you're kind of seeing that when the opposing defense gets up really high in the half court, that he um, shows a little bit of limitation in that area as well. He was he was being, having to make a longer passes tonight uh, because Golden State had extended his defense so high in the half court. And that was true of other guys that are trying to make passes too. So it's a little – for Hawks fans to kind of imagine the turnovers they saw the Hawks make in the Miami series when Miami extended their defense and the Hawks were – having to execute longer passes, you know, uh, in the court. And I feel like that's where a lot of that's coming from for Boston and the fact that um, they do have some ball handling limitations and they do have, in my mind, passing limitations. It kind of, kind of shows up there. Um, so that, that's that's all I think. Longer passes by uh, average ball handlers and passers um, that the lawyers are kind of taking advantage of. Yeah,
1: I, I like that you brought up that point because it did remind me of the Hawks series and that the it feels like the Golden, that golden State is, uh, you know, stunting in the lane, taking away driving angles and giving up some stuff behind at the rim, but they're not really giving it up either. Like Boston is not making them pay at the rim for their presence out you know, near the free throw line when they're, when they're digging, when they're, when they're taking away driving lanes and, you know, Robert Williams doesn't look quite right. So you, you lose that lob threat. Al Horford, I thought had a really subpar game by his standards and he's, you know, he's just not making them pay at the basket either. And I don't know, Boston's going to have to look for solutions uh, to, to exactly what you've said about golden state, bringing their defense up higher.
0: Yeah, and and to your point there, I mean, it's kind of like neither team has much in the way of generating pressure on the rim in this series in their current form. I should say, you know, like a healthy Robert Williams probably makes a pretty big difference, you know, for, for the Celtics. And that he can kind of get behind the defense and, mm-hmm. and maybe create a, a better passing target um, you know, with a better shooting outcome, shot outcome for the team. But that's just that's just not there. Grant Williams is not a vertical player. Al Horford at, at this age, 36 now, is uh, he's never been a super vertical player. But that, that's not going to come from him either. And on the other side, I mean, the Warriors keep blowing layup after <laughs> layup after layup. <laughs> you know, true. so it's kind of funny right. to see a finals where both teams are struggling to really kind of generate pressure on the rim. And it's fascinating because they're both having to generate their offense from really kind of above the three point break. And try to kind of get into the heart of the defense, but both teams are extending their defense way high. I do think the Warriors have for years run more stuff, more cut, cutting to the rim, cutting along the baseline. And so they have a little bit more organic kind of mechanisms to use to kind of generate that, even if, but if they keep missing the layups, it doesn't matter, I suppose. Um, But but yeah, I mean, for me, like one of the big kind of fork in the road uh aspects to the series right now as I as I look at game three and beyond is more more do we does Pritchard get into the rotation or not you know and and if he if he does how does Udoka find the minutes that are a little safer for him on defense you know Mm -hmm. um because I think it would make a big difference um to keep in gold seat out of transition Yeah, and and you mentioned
1: both teams bringing their defenses up higher and Pritchard needing more minutes. Like, I would rejigger the deck to get Tice out. Like, they're not extending their defense up when he's out there and it's hurting them a lot. Like, I I just can't understand. I mean, I guess, again, it it probably goes back to Robert Williams being hurt, but he's just giving them nothing. Like I, you know, if if I have to pick between uh, Pritchard's defense and and you know what Tice is adding on defense, you know, with what he's bringing to offense, like I just, I think I would I would definitely lean toward playing Pritchard more. I just you're going to have to play a lot smaller, but this may be the series to do that. Like having having a traditional big isn't uh, a great boon against the Warriors, in my opinion. Like.
0: I I agree. And that's where the, even if you have to like,
1: you know, change something with, with Robert Williams, like instead of playing Williams and Horford as much together, split them, like, you know, do something.
0: Yeah. And that's where the roster construction, um, especially at the four and the five being different on each side. Right. I mean, if you look kind of like who else could Boston turn to, like Luke Cornett was, you know, a late season, he's not going to play meaningful minutes, et cetera. But, you know, Gold State can turn to Beliza and get some shooting and some playmaking. You know, from those positions, they can turn to Osborne. You know, and get some, get some pretty solid defense and stuff there. Um, and that's even with like you know, to Scott Anderson being on the bench, like as a guy who probably played, decent a bit for the Celtics. If you were you know on on that side because of his shooting and because of his athleticism, and things like yeah. that. So. You know, and that's without even putting, you know, Moody or Kameen kind of really into the mix, you know, at the four potentially, if that's what position you have them play. So I feel like that's one thing that also kind of nudges Warriors towards, you know, being a, a, a bit of a solid favorite here. It's just they have, you know, options that they could turn to at those positions where they need to and, and, and get a bit more, um, especially uh, offensively. And, I mean, yeah, I would be at was on the court tonight. Boston was trying to put him in every single pick and roll mixed results. You know, sometimes it was look pretty rough as I can with him. Other times he did okay, you know, with, with the right help, you know, kind of around him and things like that. But it's, it's, you know, it doesn't have to play be Lisa at all, but if it's a matter of kind of getting more skill packed into a lineup at the, you know, we're skilled to four and five packed into a lineup, especially to get you through the, the pool minutes and on step minutes especially with clay has nothing going to get more shooting in there in the form of your, you know, you know, guys that can play at the four and the five. That's a, that's a big difference. That's something that really Boston uh, that doesn't have. And uh, I think that that's going to be a factor. And I don't, I wouldn't say that Grant Williams is playing great, but you know, when you have
1: uh, holes in the boat, like I don't think playing him 16 minutes in game one and 21 minutes in game two, you know, with some late game garbage time caveats, but I think there are, you know, there's, you can get more out of him. Um, I think he's a little bit vulnerable, but um, he's not as vulnerable as Tice. Like you, you have to have guys who can uh, play high and pick and roll defense. And, and, and I think he can, he may not be great at it, but I think he can give you a reasonable facsimile of, of, of what a good defender there might look like.
0: Yeah, I I, w- I I wasn't sure if Tice was playing a little bit more tonight because Horcover was having such a bad game. You know, I wasn't quite sure what, what they were doing there. Um, you know, Tice has some shooting ability and you know he's a he's a decent passer, you know, but I, I just felt like on defense, like uh, it's, uh getting Tice on the court when Steph is on is just seems like bad <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to, like you know, to me. I Man, I don't wanna just
1: crap on Daniel Tice like he's a really good NBA player who's Mm -hmm. just not here for the NBA finals. Like Steph Curry is a cheat code and the most transformational offensive player, maybe in NBA history. And Daniel Tice is a bad matchup for that particular player. So, you know, there are a lot of situations where where Tice could help. He does not
0: help here. Yeah. It happens this late in the postseason, right? I mean, think back to, the title that the the, the Cavs won and like Kevin Love couldn't play for long, long stretches. And he was, you know, most people would say the Cavs, you know, I guess third best player, you know, on on that roster. Right. Um, And, you know, but he, he got caught out there if it's a possession one time and like kind of challenged stuff at the end of the the game that decided the series. So, but I I mean, I share that example to, to kind of the really good players get caught into uh, situations like this, where they're just not that that viable. And, and that's just, that's just how it goes. If, if that could happen to Kevin Love, you know, the, the five years ago or whatever, number years ago it was, then it, that could happen to certainly a guy like Daniel Tice right now. Yeah. Uh...
1: What, what do you think of Golden State's offense uh, in, in games one and two? Because, like, I was kind of harping on before. Like, it, it felt like they it, – it took those uh, fast break transition baskets after turnovers to kind of get them in a rhythm in game two. But, but you liked uh, – you liked them in game one, too? Like, you, you felt – you said you felt like they were in control of game one. The
0: did did they area. have enough offense to kind of finish that? Um, well, I mean, I felt like they—they they were probably good enough offensively to win that game. Okay. Um, I, I just felt like, like I said, I thought the Boston shot making was just—they were, you know, you know, <laughs> or they basically didn't miss. I think they missed what two threes in the whole fourth quarter in that in that in that in that first game. Um, but but I do feel like, especially with Clay struggling so much. That it is put a lot on Steph now, you know. And then when I watch Steph now, I'm a different player, but I feel like I have the same kind of concerns I had for like, you know, last series. Like everything was going to Luca on the Dallas side, right? Because they're not getting anything from Clay right now. It's like, man, Steph has got to put up like close to 40 every game. And, and you just worry about, um, kind of the, the the toll that can take, you know, how that might uh, wear him down a little bit as the series goes, not to the point that he's going to, you know, give nothing, but that, you know, if this goes seven games and, you know, and he's logging what 37 or 38 minutes a game, whatever the number is at that point in time, that it starts to show up in his performance, you know, in the most important game, the most important part of the most important game. So, you know, I don't know what it's going to take to get clay going. Um, you know, it, I, I could like break down what I'm seeing in his shot. He's not on, on balance when he's shooting. He's drifting left and right a lot, which okay. normally he normally he can deal with a little bit of that, but he's getting um, his hips turned with that drift and things like that. So he just looks like he's his whole motion is out sync and he can't kind of get himself lined up balance. But if I think uh, to kind of circle back to your question there, if Clay is is gonna be this, they're gonna need a whole lot more from Wiggins in the half court, in my mind. Um, or they're going to have to play more Porter, more Bielitsa to get some more shooting uh, on the court at, at those positions, which is, you know, to brings his defense. Sort of, Bielitsa is kind of the big man version of Pritchard, right? <laughs> On the other side for the Warriors, the, the defensive risk is there. But, um, I mean, Wiggins has is good in transition, switching into the court. That's kind of where he is most free and seems like he's most confident. Um, but even tonight in the half court, I thought he was not great, and it took a, a great performance from Steph to kind of get them the separation that they got. So, you know, I, I still feel like the Warriors are the, have the better chance to win this series, but there are some vulnerabilities that are present for sure. Clay not giving them anything on the offense. Draymond playing uh with you know, no composer it seems like most of the time and, and whatever that's going to kind of turn into eventually. Um, Isn't that helping them? Uh, I feel like he thrives in the chaos. I felt like he got into Boston a little bit. I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I thought that, uh, I mean, I thought that affected Boston's kind of rhythm on offense too. A lot of the stoppages and you know, kind of the tripping back and forth of distraction. Um, so you know, in that sense, I think it does help Golden State in a way. Um, but I guess, I guess, you always feel like he's like always like right on the edge, you know. Uh, you know, but I, you know, I I definitely don't think he's always helping his team. I think he's I know, loses his focus sometimes. So, I mean, as good as he is on defense, the times Golden State has screwed up their transition defense sometimes it's been him. Um, you know, and I feel like that's him maybe getting a little bit too amped up and and things like that. I mean, Draymond helps that team. There's no no doubt about that, but in terms of some of his um, tendencies to uh, maybe lose a little focus or get too invested in some of the areas of the game that shouldn't matter as much, uh, I still feel like some of that shifts more responsibility and workload um, to staff. I mean, the biggest Draymond uh, kind of um factor for me is you know do the Celtics eventually or sorry do the Warriors eventually move Draymond onto Tatum you know or do they stick with what they've been doing so far and not do that um especially with the what what Tatum was able to do the first half tonight game two I was questioning like okay is this is this I know they love Draymond on Jalen because Jalen has a as we discussed, uh, you know, a vulnerable handle and they feel like Draymond can kind of create turnovers and easy, you know, transition opportunities and such. But if, if uh, Tatum is going to kind of, uh, you know, be what he was in the first half, then I wonder how tempted Kerr was to make make a switch and get Draymond onto Tatum. Yeah, to, to
1: backtrack a little bit, I, I think the continuity helps the Warriors with, with Draymond being Draymond. Like, looney and steph and clay all you know it's just background noise like they <laughs> i think at this point you know they doesn't throw their rhythm at all and and he might bother bother boston a little bit but
0: yeah
1: oh what was the other thing i was gonna say shoot ah uh. oh you mentioned Jason Tatum, you know, in the first half and he, you know, he really has it going. And, you know, one thing I'm, I'm wondering with that, especially, you know, with some of the, the types of shots that he can make, where there really doesn't have to be a whole lot happening on offense. Like how, how do they get players like, you know, Marcus Smart into a rhythm with maybe maybe some offense that's a little bit more egalitarian because it just it it feels like there aren't enough touches for other guys early. Not necessarily even like shot attempts, but just having a ball, feeling a ball, you know, getting comfortable as the third best option on offense, the fourth best best option on offense. It just didn't feel like Boston had like. A rhythm of continuity as an entire team on offense e- even as tatum was thriving
0: yeah well it's a great question but, but that's what i saw uh the celtics trying to do this whole game this basically all of game two was to try to mix in specific actions to give smart a chance to attack uh, a, a defense that's overcommitted to tatum so um like at one point they tried what they what they call horns up. And you can see Udoka kind of with the uh index finger and the pinky kind of pushing those fingers up, right? Just call it for horns up. And that starts with smart and typically the four, way, way, way high. That's why they call it horns up. And and they they start it with a staggered screen. And then once the ball hander crosses both screens uh the one big turns back and that they set up a really high traditional horns um you know a, after the staggered screen and that was to create some drag action to create some opportunity to move ball back to uh smart there and the Warriors were having none of that the Warriors just brought their defense way up high and just got right in the middle of that and then after that um kind of fell by the wayside they went to what they call a wide uh double which if you think about the ball being like just across half course on the left hand side, a player without the ball on the right hand side gets a, a, a screen from a big man in the middle. So the guy on the right moves past the screen, then towards the ball handler on the left. And then the big man follows him to create the staggered screen there. That's what they call Y double. So the horns up and the Y double, they tried to run that like almost all of this, like, Say the second half of the second quarter, then, then the third quarter, and the Warriors were having none of it. So, you know, the Celtics have to kind of go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out, okay, we, our, our normal stuff we use to rely on attacking defenses that are overcommitting the ball handler, the Warriors just brought more defenders at the pie, you know, and, and ran interference and traffic through all of that, and the Celtics got absolutely nothing from it. So none, none that wasn't a very great breakdown with the non-visual <laughs> aid there. But you know, that's what they tried to do, and it it did not work at all, so I, I think they have to um, find something else. you know I think there's see that coming the whole way, bring the defense up high uh, and 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 don't really let the subjects get into that at all at least that's what happened in Game two here. so i
1: <laughs> what what type of action is is stuff that? can penalize you for for being aggressive up high.
0: Well, I mean I th- I think part of that is that they when they run horns up in wide double they're looking to kind of put smart Tatum has the ball say two steps right of the left three point break right mm-hmm. and then smart's going to be right at the top of the key or a little bit further one or two steps right at top of the key and to, c- to kind of create that 15 to 20 foot pocket where the ball can go there quickly and he can attack the seam that's kind of on that slightly on, on, the, on the weak side there. That typically works, um, except that the Warriors are bringing extra defender up. So in my mind, the adjustment is to short roll smart as opposed to sending him to the three-point line, say 20 feet away from the ball handler, often Tatum, short roll him just below the top of the key, feed the ball there and let him go attack downhill four on three. I, I was a little surprised that the Celtics never really got got to that. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of that with Horford, as we all know. Sure. And Horford was just kind of not in the kind of rhythm tonight. So I don't know if they didn't try to get to that because Horford was a mess tonight. But they also never really showed. They'll do that with Smart quite a bit, too. And, and we never saw it either. So I, I feel like the next wrinkle is abandon the floating him out three-point line, like get him near the nail for the short roll and attack that way. Makes sense to me um some offenses could say go ahead uh have guys cut to the rim and have you know someone execute that 30 foot pass or so i don't feel like the celtics have kind of the, the passing equity to uh it, to execute those long passes and we talked about that earlier we saw that tonight turn into too many turnovers so i feel like the short roll is is probably the next thing to give a shot all right yeah i i like that are there other things that You want to talk about the standout in your mind? Well, I mean, you know, for me, you know, I thought the Warriors' defensive effort in Game One was B minus. I thought it was especially after the first quarter tonight was a solid A. I don't know if they got cracked A plus. It's it's just, I, I think that's where that's the number one determining factor in every single game is how much intensity and effort the warriors bring on defense, you know, they, they don't do a, there's a lot of things they have to do, like ball pressure, um, and, and closeouts. They don't naturally do well because they don't, they don't have a ton of athletes on the floor all the time. Right. Um, so it takes real effort, uh, to do that. Um, right. so I feel like that's, that's the biggest thing that's what I'm watching most of all. And then for me, uh, when the Warriors kind of get it cutting, can the Celtics, like they did in game one, uh, stick together and, and kind of just keep playing steady basketball and make it work. So that, for me, that that's that's what I'm looking for. And I talked about the adjustment for the Celtics getting to the short roll there. On the Warriors' side, it really is, is it's more about kind of getting clay going and getting Wiggins settled down in the half court. Um, and then if if Pausin has to play Pritchard, how do you attack him? If the Warriors have to play Belize, how do you attack him? And so... The rest of what I'm looking for kind of comes from those marginal rotation players that each could may or feel like they have to put out there at some point in time. So that kind of covers what I'm looking for going into game three. Um, how are you feeling about the series at this point? Well,
1: you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Boston had an over their head shooting performance in, in game one. And then Boston, I think it was what, 11 first half turnovers where it felt like they could have, they, I wouldn't say like a stranglehold, but I feel like they could have been in control of this game at halftime if they'd been more uh, judicious with the ball. I still feel like if, if you have a game without sort of either one of those things, even if Boston doesn't get crazy hot on the shooting, and you know if they just managed to not be punting the ball around, I still like their chances on defense. I mean, Steph is Steph. But like you've said, Clay is struggling. Uh, you know they they brought Peyton into the rotation because he's healthy. You know, they're, so they're playing. You know, Looney, Draymond, uh, Peyton. I mean, there are enough. You know, guys on offense who aren't particularly scary, but you, you just got to be attentive to when and where they screen, and you know whether or not you you know, you you're trying to dance that dance between. You know these guys aren't scary shooters, so you know you can, uh, you know, be a little bit more ready as a help defender. But they're all very good screeners, and you you know you've got to be aware of when you have to be up high because how good Steph is, and you know. So they, they if they if they get a little bit better at at that dance, I mean Boston is just has so many defenders that I trust that. You know, I, I think in a game where they don't turn it over and don't let Golden State get into a, a super good rhythm offensively, I think they can grind out some games at home.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I'm feeling, you know, I, I had Warriors in six, I think. Uh, I don't know if I said it, but I was uh, I was considering, uh, considering Warriors in five. I really thought Boston was going to have trouble defending the Warriors. With Clay looking like he looks now, I think this, this feels like one, seven games now to me. I think I think that's the likeliest outcome from a number of games that goes, and then the Warriors would benefit from being at home, um, I would presume. So I still like the Warriors' chance to win it, but I think Boston is is um, getting a win in the first two games in in San Francisco, uh, where I happen to be right now, uh, was big, and I think they have some things to kind of take some confidence away. That um, they just have fewer op, like back into the rotation options and, and they're going to mm-hmm. have to manage through that. Boston has a really good coaching staff. So I wouldn't put it past them kind of figuring out how to get some more minutes safely, right? How to, mm-hmm. how to get Williams and Horford kind of split up in a way that makes sense and, and get a little bit less Tyson there. So I, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if they figure that out, but Hey, I'm team more basketball. So I'm hoping it goes seven games. Um, that's, that's like, it's not a seven game trajectory now which is a little different than what I expected before the series started, as we discussed. All right. Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. It's been fun. All right.
1: Well, I appreciate uh, you jumping in late on a Sunday night, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon.
0: Look forward to it. Awesome.
1: Thanks, Kevin.